So we're back with So You Think You Know Sports. We give you weekly updates on things you want to know, like off-the-court stories, game highlights, and all-around current sports knowledge, mostly highlighting NBA, NFL, and sometimes college. Uh, a lot of things are up in the air now because we did take a week off as the coronavirus has uh, spread and affected a whole lot of different parts of life. But before we really get into it, which we have a bevy of stories, this week we give you the best of the changes in the NBA that are affected by the coronavirus, uh, the free agency market that went quite crazy over the past week in the NFL, along with some changes in the big three leagues, basketball league and the Olympics. But before we get into it, I'll go ahead and introduce the hosts. My name is Alex and Mohammed. Go ahead and say something for them. Hey, just want to say what's up to all our listeners. Thank you for listening. And make sure you also subscribe to our other platforms, including Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, there's still news out there, even though there's no sports going on. Um, but the biggest action was in the NFL this past week with the biggest signing of the NFL, Tom Brady leaving the Patriots and joining the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yes, I said that right, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, New England had never actually made an offer to Tom Brady to be back with the Patriots, as that is new news to a lot of people. Uh, but he did join them in Florida, in Tampa Bay, to join, join the Bucks and the very talented receiving core. So I asked, uh, what do you feel made Brady choose the Bucks? The one thing, actually, there's multiple things that made Brady choose the Bucks. It's the talented wide receiver core. It's the offensive friendly coach, head coach that they have in Bruce Arians. He's been called the quarterback whisperer. He's worked with a lot of uh, Hall of Fame quarterbacks, Peyton Manning, Ben Roethlisberger. Carson Palmer, he, he did work with him, but I, I don't think he qualifies. But he was good for his time and just a, a bevy of things. Now, Tampa Bay, they haven't been looked at as one of the greatest franchises in their history, but they have the weapons in place for him to succeed, which he did not have for the Patriots. And I don't think there was too many other places that offered this amount of riches for um, for what he wants to get. I agree. I can agree on a lot of parts of that. It's definitely uh, right on a lot of those things. But uh, there's a lot of benefits uh, to him being a part of uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, the, of course, friendly offense for him, a lot of weapons, a lot of young talent around him, uh, above average defense. Uh, living in Florida, a lot of those are great things. Uh, but I think one of the top things is even his side company. His side company is called TB12. His number is 12. Tampa Bay is always short, uh, shortened by TB. So it's literally trading to his brand. It is like a, a, a brand uh, thing that goes into his retirement when it comes to the Tampa Bay. Just their brand mixing with his brand literally makes sense by the TB12. Now, I never thought he was going to be going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There were absolutely no thought in my mind he was going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Not at all. Um, 
But I say there are a lot of reasons he would want to be be in Florida um, and to get out of New England, prove a whole lot of things when they actually became. Uh, well, I, I'll, I won't elaborate on that last thought just yet. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with all the stuff that you just said. Um, I didn't realize the whole TV 12 thing with Tampa Bay, Tom Brady and 12. I, I didn't make that correlation, but it's a good thing. Yeah, there's a lot of great things for uh, Brady when it comes to this new marriage. Uh, so does Tom Brady and the Bucks have what it takes right now to go to the Super Bowl on a Super Bowl run? I'll say. Yeah, I'll say definitely. They they definitely have enough pieces to make a Super Bowl run. Um, just think with Bruce Arians, whenever he was with the Cardinals, they almost went to the Super Bowl. They went to the NFC Championship game. Carson Palmer had one of his best seasons ever. And I mean, but they, they ended up getting pile drive by the Panthers um, to end their season short. But um, I think they have enough weapons. It's definitely not going to be easy. You are in a harder division with the Saints, who most of the time do rule that division. So it's going to be a hard division just to get past, along with the other teams in the NFC. I agree, especially with a lot of the other news that we have with the free agency. Um, But to respond to the question, uh, do Tom Brady and the Bucks have what it takes right now to go on a bull run? I definitely think so. Like, this man could really submit himself as the GOAT. Like, I knew he was kind of the GOAT, and I always kind of hated on the Patriots, but I had respect. I gained respect for Tom Brady. Man, if he gets a Super Bowl with uh, with the Bucks, it, it's absolutely undeniable that, for him to be the GOAT if he has seven rings. Or would that, would that be six? That would be seven. But at this point, he has nothing left to prove. But people just try to keep making up storylines. Well, is this a good one? This is a very good one. Uh, he went into the retirement capital of the world. Oh, sorry, of the United States um, with Florida and especially the Tampa Bay area. It just the vibe is all the way right. And I do, do think it was a great match. I just didn't see it coming. I didn't see it coming either. I knew there was just maybe a tiny chance, but they had the least amount of chances out of everybody else. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think even because they've kind of sucked, but not sucked in the division, but sucked enough to get good picks, that they've kind of built to acquire more better things right now. Uh, but to push this conversation along, should Tampa Bay look to get Antonio Brown? I say no. I think this, I know that Tom Brady and Antonio Brown, somehow they built this this big friendship while um, Antonio Brown was on the Patriots for a week. But I feel like that'll mess up the team chemistry. You already have a new quarterback coming in, having to learn the playbook. Um, I mean, Tom Brady, he's seen just about everything, but it's just going to be hard bringing in that extra fold of a player with Antonio Brown. You already have two Pro Bowl wide receivers from last year. And then to bring in another one, it it seems like too much of a good thing. Tom Brady gets what Tom Brady wants. And I, I'm getting the vibe that Tom Brady wants Antonio Brown. Um, 
it just it just seems it seems like a good little marriage is there too. If T- Antonio Brown can keep his ego and his personality in check, uh, that's really the only thing. And as we've seen with the Patriots, you can just get dropped, and they can get him for a bargain. And he is realistically the top receiver in the NFL outside of uh, the Saints um, receiver. What's his name again? Um, Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas. Outside of Michael Thomas. Put some respect Thomas, on his name. I, true. Uh, but outside of Michael Thomas, uh, Antonio Brown is the best receiver in the NFL, even outside of the NFL. I mean, missed a whole lot of money, I, I guess. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll see. Can, can you see? He's the Florida guy. He just seems like he fits in some Florida type things. Uh, he even think in my mind, I could see him walking down the street being nice with all the white old folks uh, walking around in Tampa, Tampa Bay. I just see uh, the marriage between Antonio Brown and being in that, that environment may be good, but it also can uh, it can blow up pretty fast, too, I think. And that's what I'm afraid of. I don't want this to blow up like it. <laughs> Everything just seems like it's in place to succeed. And then you bring in Antonio Brown and then it just all falls apart. And that's what I just don't want to see. He lights a flame and then it becomes an uncontrollable flame. Uh, it's mm, a brush fire. But um, to ask the last subject about this, uh, do you think that the Bucks will end next season with a better record than the Patriots next year? Yes, I do, because right now, who is the Patriots quarterback? We, we still don't know that, even though they have uh, a couple of. No, actually, they have three quarterbacks. They have Brian Hoyer, which they just recently signed. Um, what's the other guy? He was from Auburn. Jared Stidham and Cody Kessler, all three quarterbacks that aren't thought of as high-profile players or even just good. Um, And then you still have the same receiver situation. Um, I think they're mostly going to try to uh, center everything around the run game and defense, which is fine, but with a very hard schedule coming up, I think they said the Patriots have the hardest schedule in the league coming up. So it's very hard to see the Patriots having, having a better record than the Bucks. The Bucks, I mean, they have so much that they can build on just from last year. Uh, what's his name? James Winston had one of the best years ever for him for himself. But on the other side, he threw 30 interceptions. So that's what messed yeah. everything up. 30 but, and 30. Um, yeah. I mean, he had to <laughs> he had to finish it out. But it's it's kind of hard to see. I'm not going to completely doubt the Patriots. I am still a Patriots fan, but I just think they should just rebuild and build for the future and not try to contend right now. Yeah, I'll make it simple. Yes, the Bucks will have a better record than the Patriots. Uh, it's, it seems undeniable they're in the same division. They only lose one older player, but that's a, it's a very significant loss. Um, it's it's the general. It's, it's somebody who who just 
you think it's going to be okay with if they're leading the helm when it comes to the Patriots, but it is different now being with the Bucks. Uh, they're not in the same divisions. They don't. I don't even think they will ever cross paths uh, unless they reach the uh, the Super Bowl together. Um, so it's 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 going to be definitely different. Um, but some other news when it comes to the NFL free agency was the Texans unexpectedly agreed to trade wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins and a 2020 fourth round pick to the Cardinals. Now, in a little bit of side news that came from this trade or what might have pushed this trade, Michael Irvin expressed on Get Up. Um, just a few mornings ago, about some insight he got from DeAndre Hopkins about the situation as he had interviewed him. Uh, but in those comments, he said Deion, what happened to DeAndre uh, was that the owner didn't really like that DeAndre had different baby mothers and they would be around or come around the actual stadium or practice. Also, in a meeting, so the owner felt he was having too much influence. Actually, the head coach, Bill O'Brien, was feeling he had too much influence in the locker room for the Texans. So he brought him in for a meeting. He then, in the conversation, mentioned Aaron Hernandez and comparing him to when the last time he had to have a conversation like this, it was with Aaron Hernandez was on his team uh, with the Patriots, that Hopkins had too much influence with the locker room, just like Aaron did. Now, it really begs the question for a couple, a couple of different questions. Was it fair or foul for Bill O'Brien to put Aaron, sorry, DeAndre Hopkins' name in the same conversation as Aaron Hernandez? It's completely foul. It's a fireable offense, not even for just those words, just for even trading him. It's just so stupid. But who gave you the idea to bring them in and talk about that and compare those two? They have, from uh, DeAndre Hopkins' track record, nothing that's comparable. Now, they, are, they were both two great talents, but you can't compare the two besides that. Um, Aaron Hernandez, his draft stock dropped because of his history. People had already known about what he had involved himself in. DeAndre Hopkins was never thought of as that. And he's just talking about the, I guess, multiple women and children that he might have. But what does that have to do with uh, being in the locker room? Is he just unhappy that he has a lot of influence and um, he doesn't like what he is, I guess, behind the scenes as far as like, I guess being promiscuous is, is that was is that what he's mad about? I I just don't get it. I don't think he has it fully figured out himself. So I definitely agree. It's foul. It's definitely foul. Um, all the way foul um, to even for one thing make a business decision off your personal opinions uh, to that degree when it really wasn't nothing bad. If anything, it might be good that he does keep them around and, and in their lives, but maybe he just didn't like the image of them just hanging. What I really think is he didn't like the image of them hanging, having a purpose for hanging around the stadium or his facilities that he feel he owns and he doesn't want that image around. I just, that's what I'm getting off of the comment. Yeah, um, he, he just doesn't like the image 
what he brings, what, what, what he, the background image. He wants the, I guess, the Russell Wilson type of uh, wide receiver in uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Even if he had different ones, he, he wouldn't want him to act a different way. Or he might be the one. He, he's probably the one who was turning on the music, uh, the ratchet or the, the better. He the one having fun. Uh, he's probably the one joking around. Maybe not too joking around, but and along with having his baby mothers to come around. And maybe he's met one or two. And maybe he has three because maybe that's that does seem like a lot when you get the three. Um and he's probably like, yo, how many kids do you have and how many different women uh, do they have it with? He, pro- You know what? He's probably really mad at He probably got one of their names wrong. The coach? No, one of the uh, wives or sorry, the, the baby mother's names wrong and got p- uh, pissed off that he even had to remember. And he likes to be personable. You know what? That's none of his business. So <laughs> but he, he's a like terrible a, coach anyway. Yeah, I agree. But um, just to move it along, how much better do you does this trade make the Cardinals in a very hard division with the 49ers and Seahawks dominating last year? I think it makes them a contender to make the playoffs, not for a Super Bowl run. But DeAndre Hopkins, he can blow the top off of defense. And then you have you have Larry Legend, Larry Fitzgerald. Um as long as he's still around, yeah, this can be a game changer for the Cardinals. They are already kind of good on offense. They just need to improve their defense, and they can be a team to reckon with. Yeah, it, I think it could possibly bump out the Seahawks out of the equation. As much as the Seahawks should be in the equation each time, it's because of how this division is now shaking out to be that it's going to be extremely hard to get out of it. Um, and this might be that difference maker because Seahawks have a lack of weapons. Russell Wilson is doing a lot by himself, and that might just cost them one game difference. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins might be that one game difference that puts them in the playoffs over the Seahawks because I just feel like the 49ers are going to actually shake out again and at least make it to the playoffs next year. Um, I, I won't go that far and say that the Seahawks won't make it, but I think the Cardinals will be that much more of a challenge where they even, I mean, they might knock the 49ers out. There's a lot of Super Bowl, uh, True. Super Bowl losers who have not made the playoffs the next year. So and the 49ers. Them. They've done it <laughs> not too long ago. <laughs> you, you mean the Seahawks? No, I'm talking about the 49ers. Oh, oh, yeah. They went to the Super Bowl, the lights out one, and they did not make the playoffs the next year. Or I don't think they made the playoffs again until this past year. No, that's not true. They they went after that because they went up against the Seahawks in the NFC Championship game. And that's when Richard Sherman went off. Uh, you're right. You're definitely right. You're definitely right. Um, but um, to move into more news about the free agency and kind of uh, mush it more together so you'll get – uh, the just of the biggest moves who had the best and worst quarterback acquisition so far, the Panthers with signing of Teddy Bridgewater, the bears signing Nick Foles, Tampa Bay signing Tom Brady, the Colts signing Phillip rivers or the Browns signing case Keenum. 
And to repeat the question again, how who had the best and worst quarterback acquisition so far? The best acquisition, I'm going to go with the Bucks with Tom Brady for right now. It just seems like he fits there. He's going with a a uh, quarterback-friendly coach who is offensive-minded. So I'm going to go with that as being the best. And the worst, I'm going to go with one that you didn't say is the Raiders with Marcus Mariota. Why did they sign him? I- I'm really not sure. He's not really looking as the future. You still have Derek Carr. Did you bring him there for competition? I, I'm just confused with that signing. Okay, so that's your worst and your best one. Um, I'm kind of. I'll go ahead and start with the worst. Um, I definitely think it's going to be the Bears and Nick Foles. I just don't get it. I honestly don't get what they're seeing here. How's that a viable option to feel that you're going to make it out? That you're just going to make a Super Bowl, or he's a Super Bowl difference for the Bears? Like. I think it, he's a one – I feel like Nick Foles is a one-trick pony for one team, and it's not a bad trick. It's just he's a one-trick for only Philadelphia. I definitely don't see that being the difference maker in any possible way for the for the Bears, and he was just hurt all year, and you're taking on a very large contract. It just makes zero sense to me when it comes to the Bears and acquiring Nick Foles, and I'm not a hater of Nick Foles. Um, now, best – I'm gonna I'm gonna waffle between two because yeah definitely since Tampa Bay becomes a immediate Super Bowl contender with the acquiring of Tom Brady yeah they that is the best uh, one but I want to maybe argue that with the Panthers and Teddy Bridgewater because he's definitely shown he can be a starter he's been a starter he started off as a starter he was a high draft pick and he did well even in the offense with the Saints. It's always something a little notch against Teddy Bridgewater, but I do think that's a great acquisition for the future. Tom Brady is a short, uh, a short time acquisition. And if it's worth the Super Bowl, yes, yeah, worth it. But if he does come back from training camp and he just has lost it, this is an empty, uh, empty acquisition for the Tampa Bay Bucks. Yeah, but I mean, they they don't they didn't sign a large contract or a long term contract with Tom Brady, so they did a two year, I think, fifty million or sixty million. It's fifty million with I think nine nine million in not guarantees, but signing bonus. That's what it is. Um, but, so and I think it's, it's, it's about thirty two guaranteed, though. I think it's like thirty two guaranteed. No, it's fully guaranteed. The oh, fifty yeah, million see, is mm, fully guaranteed. Mm. Of course, straight off the top. But Man, it's only don't two years. Me, I'm the great. <laughs> that's that's what he said. With and you're two only years. paying him twenty five million. Of course, it's not like you're, you're paying a, Who in the world would him, him for three years? I, I don't know, but I'm just saying it's not a whole bunch. Um, and with Teddy Bridgewater, I think he is the perfect bridge quarterback. He's not really going to get you anywhere, but he's not going to lose the game for you. I guess. And I, I would have I definitely could have argued it even bad acquisitions for the Colts with Phillip Rivers. That's just once again going old. But I think they just want to they 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 have some hope uh, that maybe he just needs a new location and maybe they just need somebody, a general for the people they already have. And the Browns with Case Keenum, I have no idea why they did that. Um, along with the Mariota one, I, I agree. But 
I, I just some of these signings don't make as much sense as the first two, the Tom Brady and the uh, Teddy Bridgewater. But uh, next question: Who who's resigning made the most sense? The Cowboys and Dak, Dak Prescott, the Saints and Drew Brees, or the Tennessee, Tennessee Titans and Ryan Tannehill? Drew Brees and the Saints, that one made the most sense because, I mean, even though Drew Brees looked like he was slipping a little bit in that playoff game, he still is great. He can still get you through the regular season, and uh, we'll see about the playoffs, but he he makes the most sense. He's been there for a while. He's done it. He'll get you there and might get you a Super Bowl run. We'll see. With the rest, Tannehill, uh, it did make sense, but I felt like it was still too much. And I thought that he would get overpaid uh, just because of the, the last run that they made. And then they just franchise tagged the running back, even though he did most of the work. Um, it's just unfair. And then with Dak, uh <laughs> That's just up in the air. I have no idea. <laughs> All right. So you got every level of it. I definitely agree. The one that made the most sense is re-signing Drew Brees as they actually were up in the air about whether they were going to continue on in their era of Drew Brees or move on to another quarterback. Um, it just makes more sense to have him back for a weekend uh, NFC East, which Actually got, actually got a whole lot stronger when Tom Brady joined the NFC East. So it will be a battle between the older two quarterbacks, Drew Brees and Tom Brady, well, where they will meet at least twice in uh, each season uh, going forward as they are the starting quarterbacks. But um, I agree. The Tannehill one was just the one that didn't. Actually, I'm going to say that's the one that didn't make really much that much sense. And mostly because they should have given the money to the running back, uh, as he did definitely do, I would say roughly about 70 to 75 percent of the work of getting Tennessee as far as they got to in the AFC championship. Um, it, it, I, it just it is unfair. And I think it's due to uh, another another running back that we're going to actually uh, ask about in the next uh, segment here, which I'll go ahead and just progress it. Um, what's the most impactful signing that's not a quarterback in the free agency? The Cardinals and DeAndre Hopkins, the Saints and Emmanuel Sanders, the Falcons and Todd Gurley, or the Raiders and Jason Witten. What's the most impactful <laughs> signing? Uh, yeah, I know I had to put that on the end there. <laughs> <laughs> you can throw that Jason Witten one out. He's long past overdue, overdue milk. Just he's spoiled. <laughs> um, okay. I, I think that the most impactful was DeAndre Hopkins. He's going to be a difference maker. He's going to take the top of a defense and make the Cardinals better just by stepping on the field, just having his presence known. I think Todd Gurley will make somewhat of a difference. He's not completely washed up, but he's going to make somewhat of a difference. He's not going to be that three down back, but he can still make somewhat of a difference. And uh, Emmanuel Sanders, he'll be that nice number two receiver, somebody that Drew Brees can throw to. Now, he's not going to take the top off a of defense, but he's still pretty good. 
Yeah. Um, the most impactful one, maybe. Mm. I think it has to be Emmanuel Sanders because I can't give it to Todd Gurley. I do think he has more in the tank. Um, but now the Falcons have to go directly against the Saints, who have already been a good team, and they're adding new weapons. Um, and then you add in a Tom Brady with a new playbook in this division, which he's still probably going to succeed, but that's that's two people, who, two teams who I definitely see as the two tops of the NFC East. Um, as I think the Panthers will be somewhere between that third and fourth spot. And then also the Falcons, I, I, I just keep seeing them as the number fourth team in their own division. I think the Falcons will surprise you this year. They, they're going to rise up and make and a little bit of noise. Be. So, they, so uh, Matt Ryan's is going to come out here and he's going to beat Tom Brady. And the Falcons, uh, and, I mean, sorry, they're not the Falcons, but the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers and their receivers. I, I mean, I don't know, but three teams can make the playoffs from the same division. True, 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 true. Um, and, and, but and you forgot about like, DeAndre Hopkins. No, no, I was talking about it, but he, I, I wasn't really talking about him. Because, yes, he's impactful, but that's not the one I was uh, choosing to be most impactful. Also, because I feel like the Cardinals are still going to be number three in their division. And maybe they'll bump out one of the two top teams in that division, which is the Seahawks and the 49ers. Maybe with that. So those are too much maybes when it comes to Todd Gurley and DeAndre Hopkins. So I do choose Emmanuel Sanders because I just think they're going to end up division-wise and record-wise higher than those each one of those teams in their respective divisions. Oh, I do agree with that. The Saints will definitely be there at the end. Agreed. So, um, and next question, uh, what was the most surprising player release? Was it Todd Gurley after being signed to a $60 million extension only two years ago? Or Joe Flacco being released after failing a physical as he was made the starting quarterback just two years ago also? Just going from those two has to be Todd Gurley because he was a Pro Bowl player just a couple of years ago. The Rams ran everything through him and ran him into the ground into in that in that process. So he has to be the most surprising uh, release. Joe Flacco, he was way over the hill. Um, nobody ever thought thought of him as a elite quarterback. Yeah, and I, I think he broke his neck or something during the season. I can't remember. So it's that was. Uh, that was expected. Yeah. So I, I'm actually going to go the other way. I'm going to say the most surprising was Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco, that absolutely surprised me when I saw that headline of Joe Flacco being released because he failed a physical. That means you can do the base, the base fitness test to the point where they, were, they felt so bad about their results that they had to release you. A team doesn't have to have to release you. They can they can fudge the numbers on a on a physical because it's about their insurance uh, in the player that they're gonna have on the under contract. But they felt so strongly and disrespected by his physical that they released him that anybody can pick him up as they he was just their starting quarterback. That is very surprising to me. Well, I think that was just an excuse. They didn't really want to bring him back. True, but. 
if you fail a physical, that makes it just easier. Yeah, I mean, easier excuse. They they're gonna go with their younger quarterback, Drew Locke. Agreed, and that's I guess that's how they get out of their contract because he he did fail a physical. But I just think that's crazy that he couldn't do the base fitness test and got dropped because of it. Mm. But uh, I guess I'll move along. Um, who who's the biggest catch? left on the market and where would it be a great fit for them cam newton jadavion Clowney, or james Winston? um this is one personally for me and they said that they weren't interested in him but i want james with the patriots i i really want james there i feel like bill belichick can get him in order and cut in half his interceptions um, so he's not exposed to those flaws that he usually carries. Um, I, I really wanted Jameis Winston in New England, but it just doesn't seem like he's going to – I mean, it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. And I think he is the the best prospect out there, even though he had a 30 for 30 that wasn't published. Mm. Was it a bad 30 for 30? A good 30 for 30. It was a bad 30 for 30. It's one oh, that you never so. want to have. Crab legs? No, no, no. no <laughs> I didn't mean ESPN 30 for 30. When, when, I mean, when, I, when I say that, I was just saying he had 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. Oh, oh. That wasn't published. <laughs> well, you got me. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether you meant to leave me, but you, you definitely got me. But... <laughs> <laughs> say the best prospect I don't know I, I can't say all three are pretty good prospects I think I think Cam Newton's been healed he's been healed for a while the Panthers just hasn't uh, wanted to go with him I think he's skinnier than ever the only thing I, I would deal with is possibly durability not the same type of dur- durability he had before but I think he's had a whole lot of off time so I I'm still buying in on the Cam Newton stock. I don't know where it would be a great fit. I do not want to see him with the Patriots, but I do wish him well. Um, I wanted him with the Bears, and I don't. I just don't get why they signed Nick Foles. Um, I, I'm just not sure where you need to put Cam Newton. Um, I think you do need to put him in the southern city, uh, maybe Miami, maybe Miami. Uh, that might be a great fit for him, uh, even personality-wise. J- Javion Clowney, you can fit into whatever def- defense. That's a good defense. Um, maybe even go to the uh, the Bucks and try to get a Super Bowl out of that. Um, become famous, a famous uh, Buck defenser. Um, and then Jameis, Jameis, I think he just needs to stay, stay at the Tampa Bay, sit, sit back, sit back for two years. <laughs> Hey, if they can manage it, I think he should sit back and just collect uh, a sitting ring and then go out to get his own. He already said his goodbye, so I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I'm not sure where it, the way it works, but I think they can keep him. They could. I mean, he is a unrestricted free agent, but he wants to get paid. True, true. Um, but I, it's going to be really hard with that 30 for 30. Um, but um, 
to move it along. Uh, we have news when it comes to a mixture between the NFL and the XFL. Now, the XFL player, an XFL player, signed with an NFL team this past week during free agency. Uh, the quarterback, P.J. Walker, XFL star, signed with the Panthers. In the XFL short season, he put up some very good numbers. Very great numbers, actually. Uh, 1,338 passing yards and 15 touchdowns. So, from the little we've seen, do you see P.J. Walker getting a real shot in the NFL? I actually do. He seemed like a pretty good quarterback. He is undersized at 5'11", so he's going to have to be mobile. But when he went to the right team, I think he has some history with the head coach for the Panthers currently, so they can work well together. So I see him definitely being successful on this team and actually uh, competing for the starting position. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I see him competing for it, but I just don't know. I hope he put it in his contract that he's a quarterback because I feel like some way they're going to try to make him change his position. He's a very good uh, athlete, and that is a, a a big problem when it comes to the NFL uh, being below six foot. It's just because the offensive linemen are very tall and you need to be able to see it above them or be able to throw around them or over them or see things that you don't actually see because you can't see over the linemen. Um, so I, yeah, I, I think he may get this one shot, but if he doesn't win it out and, or he's not just as good as Teddy Bridgewater, which is going to be kind of hard to match up to, um, as Teddy Bridgewater has been in the NFL for a while and is taller, um, it, they may end up have pushing him towards another position. Maybe, um, I don't know if he'll accept that. But uh, we'll see. Maybe play receiver or something. But I want to see him as a quarterback. Yeah, it sounds good. But I just feel like the it's just not might not happen all the way for him in the NFL. But they're willing. At least they're willing to give him a shot. He is a very great talent. Yeah, I agree. Um, I hope okay. hopefully he capitalizes on it. Yeah. Now, um, also some different changes have come to the NFL, uh, as it still is in, in its off-seasons, but a lot of things with the NFL CBA has changed. Uh, now, with new rules in the NFL CBA, players will no longer be drug-tested for marijuana. Upon this news, the NFL wanted to make it clear in saying that they will not be reinstating Josh Gordon as his last offense was violating the drug policy and testing positive for marijuana. So, do you feel this is fair or foul? And do you see this as the NFL listening to the players about weed being for pain management? I think this is foul when it comes to Josh Gordon because they changed the rule, even though he was penalized multiple times. What was the reason for changing this rule if you weren't going to allow players who got caught for it previously to come back in. It, it just doesn't make any sense. I um, think that I think they say I, that they I think they think that you're a habitual line stepper. You just uh, you just always breaking the rules. So 
even when this was the rule, you should have still upstate upheld the rule. You're going to break rules, whether it's the other rules or these rules. That's the way they're probably thinking of it. Just to comment about what you said. Yeah, but uh, you changed the rule for a reason. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. so, I said they, yeah. changed, they, they, they changed the rule for a reason. And I think that the NFL, they are slightly listening to the players, but they're just trying to give them something in one place so they can take from them in another place. Like adding an extra game, um, adding extra playoff games. They're trying to get as much money as they can from them by giving them a little piece here and then taking from them where uh, they don't expect it. I can completely agree. I definitely think it's foul when it comes to Josh Gordon. You should at least let him back to be able to earn wages. Like it's not like he has experience in other things. Um, Until then, I'm pretty sure you're taking food off his plate, money out of his pockets. Um, and in the tail end of his career, uh, as he, he's still a good talent, but he's not a great talent, uh, anymore. Um, and that may be just due to not being consistently on the field, but, uh, now whether they listen to the NFL players about it being for pain management, I don't think it's for that at all. Uh, just like you said, I think they're take giving them a little bit here so they can take from somewhere else, just like adding the games. So they're getting more out of existing contracts. They're not adding money, but they're extending their profit. Um, so I agree. I, I completely agree. They're, they're just giving them this little bit of a bone here. Hey, smoke it up. Uh, all you want to, um, if it, maybe it's for pain management, maybe it's not, but we're not testing as they gave them a right they should have already had anyway, especially when it's addiction to opiates when it comes to the pain they have to endure in the NFL. But I'm, I'm going on the tangent. All the way, I'll say it's foul. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. It's foul, and it's not in the best interest of the players. Yeah, it's definitely not about <laughs> their interest at all because it really could have a negative effect to where they are smoking a whole lot now because they know they're not going to get tested. It's just you're going to be more inclined to do it. Uh, but it, it is what it is. I guess it was getting complicated when it came to players already doing it and players living in states where it was already legal, like Colorado. Yeah, I agree. Um. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Moving on to the NBA uh, and relating to the coronavirus as it is affecting a lot of different sports, four Nets players tested positive for the coronavirus, including Kevin Durant. Every professional sport, for the most part, has been canceled from soccer, hockey, basketball and football events, even though they're out of a season. Uh, also has canceled many uh, big Big events. So with the NBA in the later part of the regular season, uh, when they ended the last games before the scare of the coronavirus um, and Rudy Gobert gaining the first case uh, that's known. And they are looking to maybe return in July, August or maybe later to complete the season with the playoffs. So. If the NBA returns for the 2020 season, should the NBA go straight to the playoffs or play more regular season games? 
I think that the NBA should play more regular season games. You don't have to completely finish the regular season, but give those players some time to get back in shape, that game shape, so you can have a good playoffs. Because if you go from just resting to full-on playoff mode, it's it's going to be a mess. Um, players won't be ready. All that momentum that they had earlier on, it has now kind of declined because they've all been resting. Um, I mean, they, they probably have been exercising at home, but it's just not going to be the best. I can agree, um, but I do think it should be very short. I don't think it should be as long as um, not even a fourth of what was left. Um, I think they should do two weeks, two weeks of games. How many ever games that fit into two weeks? Normally it's about three to two games per week. So let's say five games. You get five games before the playoffs to get your cohesion together. Uh, to get in the shape that maybe you do more practices. Hey, you had plenty of time resting, time to earn your check, time to uh, prepare for the playoffs. So, hey, it is what it is. Um, so, and we're, we're thirsting for it just like they are. They're sitting at home going stir crazy as their whole lives are completely different from staying in one place and having to stay in that one place and also being with their family. But that shouldn't be a disadvantage. Um, but, yeah, so I say yes, yeah, some, some regular season games, but as one of the theories I've heard out here, them uh, playing about two weeks worth of games, it sounds exactly perfect for me. Yeah, that that's definitely perfect. It gives them some time to get back in that, that mode, and then they can switch gears to the playoff mode. Agreed, agreed, because uh, I would just go to practices every day. What have you been like? You've been sitting at home anyway. Like, come on, this is a full-on training camp towards playoffs. And the only uh, spot that was up for grabs anyway uh, when it left the season was the A spot in the West. Absolutely, all of the other markers, other people were either going to change spots in the playoffs or were already going to be in the playoffs. So, eh, it is what it is. Um, sorry for Portland and those couple other teams who are trying to make the playoffs like the Pelicans, who is, it is what it is. Corona has affected everything and you do get left out of these playoffs because there were only one spot left anyway. And it was taken up by a team now. Yeah. So, uh, with all the changes that will need to be made, is this the best time to change up the full NBA format? I think this is the best time. Um, everybody is off. Uh, they should push back the regular season like they were just kind of talking about before. Have it have it start somewhere around January and then go all the way through the summer with the playoffs. That way you don't clash with the uh, the NFL, which is king right now. And um, you don't have to really compete with other sports because basketball is second in in the U.S. So it's it's a lot better for them to push the season back, start in January, then go all the way through the uh, the summer. True, but only problem with that is it will work mess up the dollars. Because um, under that theory, you can't. How do you replace? the money you get from the arena being occupied. 
or the the ticket sales and stuff like that. I understand you want more interest, but you are doing it at a sacrifice for money. But I do definitely do agree that it is a good time to change that format. It's just that logistics wise and by money wise, it just I don't know how it's going to make sense for the NBA outside of being forced to because of the coronavirus and due to low interest in the regular season for the NBA. Like they're just going to have to they're going to have to cut off their hand and save their arm. What do you suggest? No, I, I agree. Like, no, I, I definitely agree with you. I do think this is a good time to change it. Like, I just don't know how it's going to make sense for them. Like, I am on the fan side of fans. Fans, yes. Uh, pack in the schedule. Uh, give me more meaningful games. Shoot, even throw me in a, a midseason tournament if you want to make it worth at minimum a spot. Uh, in the playoffs and to get to choose your opponent, then I'm, I'm down for that. I'm definitely down for a midseason tournament that uh, gives you those qualifications. Uh, so there, no matter how bad you do, you get, end up making it to the playoffs, whatever happens. You, your player gets hurt, whatever. But I don't know how it's going to make sense for the franchise owners and all of that, how they're going to give up more than a third of the season where people are in those seats and uh, uh also the the vendors that they they have they come in the concessions there we are well I, I guess you have to start somewhere and this is the the change that they need to do yeah a lot of the things are being forced to change uh, just to be off the topic but even though the world is going to be healing a little bit just because there's less cars on the road um but to get back on topic yes the NBA should change with the, the times. Yeah, so talking about changing with the times uh, uh, is our next subject, the big three, the basketball league for retired NBA players. Now, the big three has existed roughly about the past three to four years and has been made popular by, by the movie star and rap star Ice Cube. Now, he is looking to make the big three into a reality show as for example, the UFC did with the contender, a reality show that spread over that spread over into the arena in actual competition. Now this did get great popularity in some groups when it came to the UFC and the contender. But with this proposal of the big three becoming a reality show where you would have the NBA former players do you feel this is the next the next big phase for the big three um i'm not really into reality tv that much but i think that will be a great move for the big three because people like storylines they like i guess drama and that's what you get with reality tv so it's, yeah. I, I think that is the next big step for the big three, even though it, it doesn't seem like I, the best transition because it is mainly about basketball, but it's going to get more eyes watching. You're not just going to get um, sports fans. You're going to get reality TV fans, movie fans, TV show fans. It's going to uh, be accessible to everybody. Yeah. I think it's a great, great idea because 
you're already pretty familiar or you feel you're familiar with these former NBA players, the ones you maybe never fully paid attention to but still have some type of game about them. These players, they don't remain in different cities when it comes to the big three. They travel together, but they face different sets of teams. And it's uh, just to kind of give you anybody who doesn't know about the big three, it sets it to where it's a three-on-three game where you can score one point, two points, or a very long ball that is a three-point, and it's a half-court game. It is actually a very exciting and fun game to watch, especially when you are somewhat familiar with the former players from the NBA, as it does consist of pretty much only former NBA players. Uh, but throwing it, making it into a reality TV show just adds the extra sauce to it all. Uh, you get the personalities, the the trash talk, and how it even goes over to the actual court. Uh, nothing's more pure than the actual reality of playing on the court. The results just are the results. And I think you you just you get to be more engulfed in the uh, in the big three or have a reason to watch it. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. It's it's just gonna be it's, it's gonna cater to more people around the world. I agree. I can definitely agree because even uh, certain players are popular in other countries. Like Tracy McGrady is very popular in China. Um, Stefan Marbury, he's like the Jordan of of China, and this is real. You can look it up. Um, and they have a statue of him. Uh, it's crazy. But, um, yeah, I, I think this is just a absolutely great idea, as I'm pretty sure there was a whole lot of already drama with them traveling together, being former stars and all being treated pretty special as now they're in their later years. And they're still trying to prove things. Yeah, I mean, that that's a that's an even bigger plus. Yeah, and there's plot lines on plot lines. Um, but uh, last question about the big three uh, is. Can Ice Cube and the Big Three beat out the viewing numbers of the NBA's regular season with this new angle? I say that it's possible, but it's not actually going to happen. Um, even though they're going to have fans from from different areas of uh, entertainment, I don't think it will come close to what the NBA has the NBA has a international fan base that keeps growing, even though the ratings are down. I think this is just a down year uh, with the whole China business. And then uh, the players not putting too much into the regular season. So it's, it, it has the potential to, but I don't think it's going to happen. Um, I think it might do it. Because there's no, I, I just, because there's less to watch when it when it would come to that reality TV show and even the big three games. There's less to watch. There's less to consume. The NBA's uh, viewership is split up every night, even if you have people who are tuning in. So if you're evening out the the numbers by um, Averages just about doing the numbers. Let's say that for every 10 games is one episode or one game plus the episodes, however you want to do the math. I think the big three reality show could beat it out, especially if it's on certain platforms like the um, ESPN 
it'd be ESPN's first reality TV show, along with if it was TNT, who also broadcasts a lot of NBA stuff. Um, I, I just I do see that this could possibly be that, even if they grouped up with the you know reality king VH1. <laughs> Um, I, yeah, I guess I, I, I can see that point. And I think that's the reason why the uh, the NBA ratings have gone down is because you can gain access to the highlights of the games. And there's so many different games. Just watching the highlights for like 10 minutes, you get most of the game right there. The NBA yep. makes it so accessible in other ways that you don't have to watch the actual game. Agreed. Agreed. You only watch it because you really want it. Like you want to really see the game in depth. And it's hard to want to do that in a regular season game, especially with teams that don't fully matter or even a game that don't doesn't matter. Uh, like, let's say Milwaukee versus the Heat. Who's really caring to watch that outside of somebody who wants to see the beef between Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns? But uh, it, it has to be drama filled which a reality show is literally the most drama you're going to get all in one with these uh, players all traveling together. So they actually do affect each other. Yeah. Um, I say go for it. Ice cube. Yeah. I think this is the next phase. And now uh, with our last subject, it is the Olympics and the danger of it not happening. Uh, the world has reached the four-week deadline to decide whether they're going to have the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. Uh, it is definitely very possible that it does get canceled here. So I ask, is there any scenario where having the Olympics this year is a good idea, and is there any benefit? Um, I think it's a good idea for the morale of everybody around the world that that having the Olympics, it'll make people think, okay, not even this virus can keep us down. We we can come together and have this big event and um, work together very well. Um, but as far as the money situation, no, this it, it'll be a terrible idea because a lot of people are still going to be afraid to go out of the side of their homes just because of this virus. Um, it is nowhere near being controlled and it only gets worse day by day. So it's there's two different factors to look at. I can agree on some of that, but realistically, all the other things outweigh the uh, nothing can break us down. That seems like a, a model you take for uniting a country for, against a terrorist or some critical wrong act. But you can't take that angle against a virus. The virus is not, it's but so personal, you can take that virus. Um, it's a terrorist. It's, 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 terrorist. it's keeping everybody in their homes. It is, <laughs> under threat of coughing. But uh, <laughs> Hey, some people are dying now. Come on, this is serious. You're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Some people are dying, but if we look at the numbers, more people have died from the flu uh, this year than Corona. But it is a still a, a big problem and it is affecting a lot of major things as it is spreading more and more each year. So that's why I say that outweighs any of that. Uh, we are together. We're a hope uh, because there's the threat of actually spreading more virus. Um, you don't, we can't even trust that 
they won't even weaponize the drug the the virus. Let's say another country just felt like messing up the other uh, athletes, and they had somebody who had corona just compete against them. That's very easy. It's just it's too much put into danger with there being an Olympics, and especially being in China, where it was originated, as, or as we know it now. It's actually in Tokyo. Um, yeah, it's in I mean, Tokyo. But, but, but that's near well, there. It's Tokyo, Japan. Japan, you're right. Sorry about that. And <laughs> should be more versed. <laughs> but but it's, um, close. it's close enough. It is, it's yeah, not it's close, close enough, but it is pretty close enough for a, a disease to spread. Yeah, I agree. I, I definitely agree um, that, that the Olympics should not happen just because of the threat of this virus and spreading. And you're just going to lose a whole bunch of money. Yeah, and some com- countries have already gone out and said they're not attending. I just saw that uh, Canada said they're already not going. It- it's pretty much known that this will be a wash uh, for this year for the Summer Olympics. Uh, so I asked, are we in the last days of most major countries being in the Olympics due to the coronavirus? I think that... <sighs> This is this is very hard. I don't think it's going to completely take away um, a lot of countries, but the smaller countries, they will be afraid to participate in in the Olympics because of this threat and just seeing how far this virus has gone. Um, and I think it'll probably take two or three years until everybody comes back around to competing fully into the Olympics. I think actually slightly opposite on some of those thoughts there. I think it's the smaller countries that will come to the Olympics. The bigger countries won't. And that's going to be the biggest effect. The smaller countries were probably willing to go ahead and risk it in a lot of ways because they that's their claim to fame. Uh, this is what they've been training for for a long time. They were just willing to take larger risks um, and especially when the odds are lower that they'll lose against major competition. So that's ultimately, I do think, opposite in that, right? Which we can't really know whether that's right or not. And I also do think that we're in the last days of at least for the next 10 years, if this doesn't spread outside of a full year, like a full year of quarantine, if there's a full year of quarantine, this is the end. This is the end. There is no more uh, uh, major countries um, embarking in the Olympics and that it might be uh, like a 40 year, five, 50 year drought on Olympics. Really, if it, if we go to a quarantine of a year, that's that's not happening. It's just not happening due to the threat of spreading disease and the scare that will have being instilled in so many people after this uh, situation. Um, people just won't risk it. It's just going to be instilled in everyone. Um, but I do think even with this limited amount of time or it being, let's say, just adjusted from this year to next year, even if it was that case, I do think there's a chance that at least 35% of the major countries that would participate do not participate for at least another 10 years. Yeah, if that does happen, I have to agree. And that's going to shift everybody to working online, which is a huge change. And I think that was the... It saved the world, honestly. I'm telling you, it's it's saving the world on the low. 
all of these things are has a residual effect on the world. There's nobody driving. There's there's people uh, finding less ways to consume to uh, outside of food um, to <laughs> conduct their. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> outside of food to conduct their business and body even if this ends by the end of the summer or before the end of the summer just in a, a shorter amount of time than we really pro- projected to be it will change how people conduct business uh, half of the jobs that we know now can be done at home will be done at home at minimum half yeah i agree and i think the future was this anyway as far as people yeah. working from home and online we got pushed. We got absolutely pushed through. There's a negative and a positive to this disease. It really is. Like, I'm telling you, we really are probably making the, like, giving the earth a break. And mostly because we were stuck in our own ways to not stop altogether and, and not do certain things. Like, go out, drive cars, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it probably needed that. Yeah, uh, but I know we kind of got off from the subject, but we're still in it a little bit with the Olympics. This is the last question. Uh, what will the world of sports look like after the coronavirus scare is over? I kind of guess we kind of answered that, but if you have any, another answer, you can go with it. I think that the coronavirus scare will scare people from going into arenas and stadiums. Um, the stadiums will still have a lot of fans in them. But it's not going to have as many, uh, especially when it comes to the NBA. They, I, I don't think they usually have a lot of fans in their arenas, especially during the, the beginning of the season. But the NFL and college, they'll still have a good amount. But you're going to see patches of uh, empty seats all around the stadium. I think that in the entertainment will become cheap. And that's a sad thing for a lot of different franchises. But... <sighs> It may have this effect where we're going to have an era that we look back at where athletes were paid extremely high and only for those that amount of time throughout what maybe uh, the 90s, like 1990 up till like this past year. Or I think it's going to limit the money they can push out to players that. We're just going to see a lowering of the cost for entertainment. You, we're, all the things that we kind of cherish before are going to be cheaper and highly more accessible. It, it's, it may change the world for the better, even though it seems like a problem. But there is a 95 percent rate of recovering if you get it. Yeah, um, it it's just hard to say right now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it is hard to say, and we will have more news as there, there, there's still going to be news in sports. So you should definitely still look at out for us weekly. Um, to end it off, we're going to do the questions like normal, uh, like always. Muhammad comes up with the questions. I try to answer them and maybe give you a little extra information about it if I do know. Um, so Muhammad, go ahead, go with the first question. All right, which of the following NBA teams? is a current playoff team that wasn't a playoff team in 2019, so last year. A, the Utah Jazz, B, the Memphis Grizzlies, or C, the Orlando Magic? Hmm. I I think the Magic were in it last year because the East was just that weak. But, 
And I don't think the Grizzlies made it last year, but that's not my for sure answer. You can just re- repeat the question and answer one more time. All right. Which of the following NBA teams is a current playoff team that wasn't a playoff team in 2019? A, the Utah Jazz, B, Memphis Grizzlies, or C, Orlando Magic? Okay, so I know the Jazz made it, um, but, yeah, I'm going to go with the Grizzlies. That it's the, yeah, B, Grizzlies. That is correct. Yeah. Already starting off on a roll. <laughs> okay, so number two. Yeah. What was the last year the Lakers won the NBA championship? A, 2010, B, 2011, or C, 2008? Ooh. I know it wasn't 2008 because that was the Celtics. I just know that it was the Celtics when it came to 2008. Um, so I still have to think about the other years because I, I just don't stay completely versed on uh, the Lakers championships. You can go ahead and repeat the question and answer again. What was the last year the Lakers won the NBA championship? A, 2010, B, 2011, or C, 2008? Mm. I really, really think it's 2010. And so I'm just going to go with 2010. That's correct. Uh, I just felt I, I kept thinking of like what years Kobe was like really, really great. And I uh, just felt it without the last year. Uh, he was like top of the league. He was getting them championships. We'll go ahead with the last question. Which of the following current NBA players is the oldest? A. Tyson Chandler. B. Udonis Haslam, or C, J.J. Redick? Mm, those are some old fellows. Well, old in the NBA st- uh, standards, because uh, they're definitely not over 50 years old, which is more like old. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, mm, that is a hard one. Um, yeah, repeat it one more time. All right. Which of the following current NBA players is the oldest? A. Tyson Chandler, B. Udonis Haslam, or C. J.J. Redick? And what was the first one again? A. A is Tyson Chandler. So I don't think it's J.J. Redick, and for some reason I don't think it's Tyson Chandler, so I think it's I'm going to shoot in the dark and go with a. Udonis Haslam. Udonis Haslam. There you go, yeah. That is correct. Oh, three for three. Okay. Yeah, that is correct. I think he's 40. Yeah, he'd be sitting on the bench. He's he's there for the team. He's a character uh, builder. I guess they they just leave a roster spot and pay him because he really don't play like that. Yeah, he's 39. He's been on the heat since forever. That don't even seem that bad. But <laughs> it doesn't. No, nah, it really doesn't. <laughs> to be old, old. He's the oldest player out of them. But uh, yeah. But we'll, we'll catch you. Three. He's not the oldest player in the league. Yeah, out of those three. <laughs> Just to be kind of old. But um, we will catch you next week. We will have another uh, episode next week with some juicy information with the backgrounds on sports as it has taken a pause in other ways. But this has been So You Think You Know Sports. See you next week. <laughs>